welcome to Become a Unique Podcast, a place where you can be well and be you. We are all about lifestyle with a focus around wellness over here. One week we may be talking about gut health and the next week we may be having a conversation about being enough. No matter what the topic, the goal is to inform you with information and tools so we can vibrate higher as our true selves. Be ready to grow in a beautiful way. Becoming Unique is a growing podcast and would love your support by following or subscribing to this podcast. In Apple Podcasts, click the plus button. Reviews are also helpful for the podcast growth. So all reviews are appreciated. And lastly, but not least, be sure to share the podcast because the best advertisement is word of mouth. So let's get started with today's episode. Before we actually get started today, I would like to share a little story that just happened to me while I was on my way to the train, and it really took me by surprise, and it made me smile. Now, before I tell you what just happened to me, I have to rewind to a few weeks ago. So a few weeks ago, I went to my local health store to get some sea moss. And now this local health store is giving complete mom and pop vibes. No big box chain store, anything like that. So when I got there, um, I saw in the ref- the open refrigerated area where they keep the um, bottled drinks that customers can buy. You know, those open refrigerated areas. On the bottom of it, they had this big tube. I'm not big tube, big tub of ginger and I was like wow perfect because I really needed some ginger and I was like oh I'll just grab it from here so I grabbed two ginger roots and I took it to the register along with my CMOS and I was like okay can I pay for this the gentleman or the young man that um was helping me said where did you get this from like with like this aggressive attitude. I was right there in the refrigerator with the juices. You're not supposed to touch this. These are not for customers. This is for the juice bar. And he like really like scolded me for picking up the ginger in the open refrigerator. And so I was like, well, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't know this is right here with the customer stuff. I didn't know you didn't sell the ginger. Um, it's like, no, it's for the juice bar. Why would you even do something like that? Like really scolding me. So I kind of checked him. I said, you know, wh- why are you speaking to me like this? Like, I didn't know this. If I knew this, I wouldn't have picked it up. And so we go back and forth for a couple of moments. And it definitely shifts the energy within me. You know, um, like, wow, like, what's up with this attitude? Like, what did I do wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. Um, So I leave the store with my sea moss, and then I'm walking out, and and I hold this energy of this little altercation. I don't want to call it altercation. It wasn't like we were going to, like, fight. I don't know. 
But this little dispute that me and this young man had for about a good five minutes on my walk home, I'm like, wow, like, you know, you go into the health health store and a lot of times in these health store, they're selling herbs and roots and you expect that the people that's helping you are on this higher vibration. But he was def- definitely giving me some low vibrational energy. <laughs> And I held on to it for a good five minutes. But by the time I got home, I really, I dumped that energy that he almost transferred onto me. And it was gone. Like I literally forgot about it. Until I go into take my CMOS out my bag, and then I go to put it in the refrigerator. And when I go take out the bag, I'm I'm feeling like these weird shapes in the bag. I'm like, what is this in the bag? And then I go, and it's the ginger roots. He actually, after all of this back and forth that we were doing with each other, you know, him scolding me for taking the ginger out the refrigerator, he actually threw the ginger roots in the bag. So that kind of made me smile. I was like, oh, he was giving me this hard time about taking the ginger and he actually put it in the bag. So I thought to myself, oh, next time I go in there, I need to be like, oh, thank you. I saw what you did, even though you was giving me a hard time. (laughs) And so um, I actually haven't been in there in a couple of weeks. So, but I completely, after that day, I completely forgot about that situation because I literally walk past this health store on a regular basis, only almost a daily basis. And every time I walk past it, I didn't even think about like poking my head in looking for him or even thinking about the situation that happened. Like when I say I, I completely released that day's energy. I completely released that. I didn't hold on to any grudges. Like, I'm not going back to that store. I don't like their attitude. Like, all of that, I, I, I didn't have any of those thoughts in my mind. So, fast forward to today, a few weeks later. La-di-dee, la-di-da, I'm walking to the train on my way to the gym. And my head was completely down on my phone. Now, I don't usually do this, but this particular day, I was in my phone looking at something and I I had no awareness of anything going I I had like you know awareness but I didn't have visual awareness like I wasn't like looking up to see who was passing me and stuff like that um so all of a sudden my head is completely immersed in my phone looking down and then all of a sudden I hear someone catch my attention and says I'm sorry about the other day and I look up, and it's the young man from the um from the health store. Now, that completely took me by surprise because when I say I released it, I released it, and I didn't even remember what he looked like. But when he said that, then everything kind of clicked, and I was like, "Oh, this is the young man from the health food store." And I was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, no. "He was like," I was like, "No worries." He was like, "I was having a bad day. I'm so sorry I did that to you." And I was like, "Wow." And I was like, "Thank you for the ginger that day. You made me smile when I I got home." But I was like, "Wow." Wow, wow, that takes a lot. That really takes a lot because he could have, the way my head was immersed in my phone, he could have completely walked past me, not caught my attention, and and apologized to me. But it really takes a lot in these days and times for someone to stop and apologize to you for what they did. And then, you know, he admitted 
to his wrongs, that he knew he had a bad day, and he released that energy out on me. So also going back to the saying, you know, I haven't been saying this on the podcast, but just remember it's not about you, it's about them. A lot of times people release their energy onto us and we're thinking, you know, is something wrong with us and so on like that. Like, you know, someone could easily be like, well, well, what did I do, you know, thinking they did something wrong when they didn't. It's just someone releasing some energy that they have onto you. So remember, it's not about you, it's about them. And I commend this man for having you know, having having the, I don't want to say, being in a place where he can acknowledge his wrongs and apologize for them. It was just such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful place to be at. And what pain did he cause by having apologies? A lot of times we're so, you know, stern within ourselves and we don't want to apologize. We want to try to figure out what the other person did wrong and not be able to, you know, set forward with, with that apology. And if anything, he may, he released a whole new positive energy. I'm over here thinking and talking positive about this young man. And, you know, that is the magic that is truly the magic. So we want to be mindful on how we leave people in certain situations because the magic is the way they think and talk about you. And I'm I'm thinking high vibrational thoughts on this man. So to conclu- bring conclusion to this story, let's be in a place where we are open for apologies, understanding our wrongs and situations, and... um and be healed in a place like that. And I, I feel like it's more stuff. I feel tongue twisted now, but <laughs> but the magic is in how we leave people. We want to leave people in a play where they're thinking high vibrational thoughts about us. But anyway, this was a lengthy story, but let me get into today's episode. Let's go. Today on the Becoming Unique podcast, I have such a beautiful and amazing soul by the name of Jennifer. Welcome. Thank you, Unique. I'm so excited to be here. You're welcome. And I am so grateful that you are here with me today. (laughs) So before we jump into today's um, topic, I would love for you to share with everyone who is Jennifer. So Jennifer is, let's see, Jennifer is a, uh, Jennifer is a woman who lives in Maine with her pug Lilu and her two cats, Neo and Livy and her husband, David, and uh, uh, a bunch of groundhogs and foxes and deer in the middle of uh, horse country. And I am also, so that's kind of like who I am and the, like the real, real, like core of myself. And then I am also an, the author of the book, um, Empathic Mastery, which is the subtitle is five-step system to go from emotional hot mess to thriving success. And I am a former hot mess, which is why I can write about this with great deal of authority. I also am an intuitive mentor and healer and guide for other highly sensitive empathic women. And I'm a master trainer for EFT International. So I teach other people how to use EFT, which stands for emotional freedom techniques in a way that allows them to be really effective, really gentle, 
and really use this tool to make a difference in their lives and also in other people's lives as well. So that's kind of the short version of it. Yes. Well, the short version was still a lot of um, still a lot. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot of um information, and I love that you have a book um the empathic ma- mastery. I feel like I'm yeah to- empathic mastery. Yes. Yes. And and that's what today's topic is going to be about. um, Exactly. And um, yeah, and I can't wait to get into today's topic, but I have to ask you one more question before we jump right into it. And I would love to know what does self-care look like for you? Oh, what a wonderful question. So self-care looks like for very first and foremost, knowing myself and listening to my body, to my heart and my mind and respecting what my body, my heart and my mind is telling me and Mm -hmm. doing that instead of doing what I think I should be doing or people pleasing or getting sucked into all of the drama of other people's stuff. So I would say at the very, very core, and this really leads into the conversation, at the very core for me, self-care is all about boundaries. It's all about recognizing what is what is my job and what is not my job. And so for me, part of self-care is living by the motto, not my circus, not my monkeys, because it is. I was raised by people, but especially, yeah, I was raised by people who really we're concerned for absolutely everybody. And we're constantly trying to help people and find solutions and rush in to rescue everything. And, you know, that got me believing that it was my job to do a lot of stuff that really is not my job Mm. and learning how to just let go, let God relax and allow the, allow people to find their own way is a very big part of my self-care, self-care. And then the other thing I would say is a really big part of self-care is naps, like really recognizing like when I'm tapping out and instead of just trying to push myself a little bit further, like just being like, okay, time to hit the pause button, time Mm -hmm. to just go and chill out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love every single thing you had to say and starting off with like just knowing yourself respecting yourself listening to yourself and the boundaries around it because you know we may look you know in in the society that we're in sometimes we self-care could be commercialized you know oh yeah (laughs) self-care is becoming so commercialized yeah so the core of self-care is like you said, respecting and listening to you and your self-care may look different for you than it may look for me, but understanding that and respecting that and not looking at, you know, a 15 second Instagram video with someone in the bathrobe holding a cup of tea thinking now this is self-caring. It is self-caring, but you took it to the core and I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, and, you know, self-care, you know, it may look like a bubble bath with like a bath bomb from Lush or something like that. It may look like it may look like what you're seeing from the influencers. But a lot of times, like you said, it is not a commercial thing. It is not like, oh, I bought this essential oil. I bought this supplement. I got this bath product. I got this special chocolate. Like, yeah, that's all nice. Um, And in a way that's, but I would say that's more like the ways that we can pamper ourselves or treat ourselves. That's not necessarily true self-care. 
true self-care is really honoring what is going on with me right here, right now. And what do I genuinely, sincerely need? Not what do I think I want based on some like special that I saw on Netflix or something. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. I love it. So today's show is about empath. Yes. You know, I can say more than 40 years of my life, I don't think I've ever heard the word empath. Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Until, you know, until I started to, um, I guess, go on my journey and and start to get into more of the spiritual, you know, scene. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and start watching different people and stuff. But I think when I was just kind of like living in the world with my blinders on, I don't know, you know, in society, I just never heard the word empath. And then all of a sudden, when I started to like go on my journey, I kept hearing empath, empath. So if I went for over 40 years of not hearing the word empath, I'm sure there's other people out there that hasn't heard the word empath. So can we even just start with the basic one? Let's start with the basic definition. So, and first off, I just want to acknowledge that like, for one thing, it's become a buzzword. Like, you know, it's a word that is suddenly becoming really popular. And a lot of people are just being like, I'm an empath. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that first off, the word itself comes from science fiction. The word started with a science fiction story that came out in the 1950s that I keep promising myself, I'm going to make a sticky note and put it on my desk so that I can say the name of the guy who wrote the story. But there was a story that was written in the 1950s and it was called The Empath. And the idea was that empaths were these people with paranormal abilities to like influence other people's thoughts, ideas, feelings, and to be able to kind of manipulate them. So it was kind of like this sort of science fiction kind of concept. And then, you know, that sort of was the star. And then, you know, Star Trek, the original, the OG Star Trek had an episode called The Empath, where it started to show the idea of what we in our culture tend to think of as an empath. But I want to just be clear, this is not like a clinical term. This is not a diagnosis. This is a a sort of a pop culture reference to the idea of a person who has sort of the ability to pick up information in a way that your average bear does not. And so for me, an empath is a person who has the ability to pick up the thoughts or, and actually it could be an animal. It could be like, it's not just a human being, but an, an empath is someone who has the ability to pick up the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, the sensations, the, sometimes the pain um, from the world around them. But unlike people who have like intuition or psychic abilities or mediumship abilities, where all of us, empaths, mediums, psychics, all are able to pick up information from outside of themselves and pick up more than sort of what meets the the human eye. Mm -hmm. Empaths process the information through their own filters as if it's their own. So Mm -hmm. instead of being like, oh, I sense a lot of sadness in this room, an empath walks into a room and suddenly is like, why am I so incredibly sad? Or if an empath is around somebody who maybe is, or has a friend say who's really worried about their health, instead of necessarily being like, oh, I'm really thinking about so-and-so, it seems like they're really worrying about their health. Instead, an empath will often suddenly start worrying about their own health and experiencing things that way. And so the thing about this is that it makes it really challenging 
to recognize what's really going on because empaths feel things as if it's their own. On top of that, you just said, you know, the big whammy here, which is that a lot of people have never heard the term or it's sort of out in the woo-woo world where it's kind of like, you know, what the hell is that thing? And often as children, we grew up, most of us were told that, I mean, and I will say that so far I've yet to meet somebody who hasn't had this experience, but most of us were told that we were, had an overactive imagination, that we were being too serious, that we were being too sensitive, that we were taking things too personally, that we were making too big a deal out of it. And that, you know, and, or that we had an overactive imagination and that these things weren't really happening. And mm -hmm. so for a lot of us, we started to pick up information and sense things. And a lot of times like recognizing what we felt was not what we were being told. Like the reality of the environment was like what we were sensing was going on and what we were told was going on wasn't always, you know, adding up there. Yeah. And like, so it might be, why is mommy so sad? And mommy goes, I'm not sad. Or why is daddy so angry? And daddy's like, I'm not angry. Mm. And and instead we're told you're making this up. And so I think that the problem with this is that many, many people have this, you know, come into life with this level of sensitivity, but very early on, they start getting gaslit about yeah. the fact that what they're feeling isn't even real. And so all that you're left with is the idea that like, oh, there must be something wrong with me that I'm yeah. picking up false information. When the yeah. truth is we're picking up the stuff that other people are not willing to own for themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's a very, you know, that that's, that's a nice big $5 answer to yeah. the question. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like the last part you said, you know, is also, we learn to believe the beautiful lie. Yes. You know, with, um, with life. And then we also start to create the beautiful lie as well. Like we are sad or we are angry. And then we're just telling the world that we're not even though I'm fine. Self, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> it's the well, American way. I'm <laughs> yeah, fine. Well, and this even fits into the original conversation or the original question of like, what is self-care to you? I mean, we live in a culture that says self-care is like organic chocolate from Whole Foods and like a bubble bath, you know, yeah. like, like even our self-care is made to look like be dressed up with false eyelashes and like super pretty perfume from Saks Fifth <laughs> Avenue. You know, it's like, yeah. it's not. And, and so it's that whole thing of the beautiful lie, even mm. the way that we're taught to care for ourselves a lot of times has that beautiful lie attached to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It, and it's so much unpacking as well to do. Oh, yeah the um the impact definition <laughs> as yeah. well too because you know it's it's a lot because then it's like okay I'm taking in the emotions because someone may be like oh I think I'm empath I'm taking in those emotions or they don't realize that they are an empath now I do have a question around that they're taking in other people's emotions and not even realizing it do they also take in the happy emotions too they can. Yes. <laughs> yes. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, um, why empaths, I think, fall in love incredibly easily because empaths get kind of like this sort of like 
you know, it's kind of like a feedback loop where you have kind of like two speakers on, you know, like a microphone and a speaker going back and forth with each other, that mm -hmm. when an empath is around somebody who's feeling really good, that tends to make them feel really good. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when it comes to romantic relationships, we can get really intoxicated by the fact that like, if somebody's attracted to us and interested in us. And especially, you know, once we start getting physical, that pleasure can really like, we're getting that not only do we feel our own pleasure, but we're feeling that other person's pleasure too. Mm -hmm. And so um, it can be, it can be an absolute gift that we can go into a place where people are happy and joyful, and we can just really feel the vibes of that joy. Or we can also go into places, we can also find ourselves kind of getting sort of like going faster and further into relationships than maybe is best in our best interest because of that ability to pick up on all of the positive sensations and feelings as well. Okay. So if a person is listening now and, and they want to say, well, am I an empath? Am I not an empath? What are like questions and tools that they can use to figure out Am I truly an empath, you know? So first off, I want to say that in my personal experience, being an empath is on a spectrum, you know, and that there are some people who are, so there are people who are sensitive and who can sort of imagine themselves in somebody's situation. And there's, you know, there's definitely kind of like, you've got like what I would call the extreme empath on one side. And then on the other side, you've got the absolute opposite side. You've got like the sociopaths and the psychopaths and the people who have no regard whatsoever for other human beings. And then sort of narcissist comes a little bit after, you know, sort of closer towards, you know, empathy. And then kind of like in the middle, we've got people who have, you know, like you've got sort of empath, people who are empathic, people who have a capacity for empathy and compassion. And then sort of people who may be just, you know, who are polite, but don't necessarily have a real capacity for empathy or compassion, but they're still polite and good and doing good things. And then you start getting into the more areas of selfishness and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What I would say, and, and when it comes to the very extreme, which is kind of the area that I tend to work in and talk about, and that's my area of expertise, is that there's degrees of sensitivity. Like there are people who are so sensitive that they do not know what end is up. They cannot tell whether, you know, like they're picking up information, not only from human beings around them, but they're picking up the information from like the planet, from the world around them, from the crisis, from, I mean, from the climate crisis, from like the global events that are going on and often can be picking up stuff, not only from the present moment, but stuff that's lingering, like the echoes from the past. And sometimes even like the ripples of shockwaves coming from the future mm -hmm. and some empaths are so sensitive that not only are they sort of like outside of time and space, just picking all the things up, but there are some who are so sensitive that they're even picking up information sort of like from other dimensions where they may be having challenges with like extraterrestrials and visitations and ghosts and other stuff like that. So it's a very, it's a broad spectrum. But what I would say is that one of the dead giveaways for me is you wake up in the morning and you're feeling completely fine. Everything in your life is normal. Like there's no like major worry or thing going on where you're like, you know, that's kind of like lurking in the background and you're kind of just like fretting over it. Everything's good. 
And then all of a sudden you start feeling totally out of sorts. You start feeling like really weird and wonky and like, why am I feeling this way? And you start running through everything and going, nope, 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 nope. My experience is that often this kind of distress is because we're picking up stuff that's going on in the world outside of us. And mm -hmm. so, but I will say there's one thing about this, which is that this is true, more true, if you have done your personal work on your childhood trauma and on the stuff, as well as sometimes your ancestral trauma and the things that you are, you came in with and like belief systems, because if there's a lot of like monsters bare, you know, if there's a bunch of monsters hiding in the closet or mm -hmm. wounds that are buried underneath the surface, then things can set that off and we may not even necessarily know it. So mm -hmm. like if somebody is, if somebody has a really intense childhood history or even young adult history, but has experienced a lot of trauma and has done nothing to address and clear it, mm -hmm. then what I would say is that unnameable or unknowable distress could easily be the fact that you're getting triggered by stuff that's like wounds that are rising up to the surface to be healed. Mm -hmm. But if you've done your work, you know yourself, you know your stuff, and all of a sudden you're just in this place where you're like, why am I feeling so totally weird? Why am I feeling so out of sorts? My experience is that most often that's because we are picking up on something that is coming from the world outside of us. And it's, and it's sort of seeped in and is affecting us. Mm. Now, different people experience it in different ways though. Some of us are what I would call, like, I tend to think in terms of like the elements of air, fire, water, and earth. Mm -hmm. And so I think most people think of empaths. They think of what I call a water empath, which is that water empaths are the ones who feel things. They're very emotional. They're very, it's like all of the emo, the emotional sense. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, and so we experience things on an emotional level, but air, air empaths, for example, are the ones who think things. And so suddenly you might be starting to have these like weird, you know, just like perseverating, like about some, your worries or your concerns, or like I said, you know, thinking about suddenly you're worried about your health when there's nothing wrong with your health. Mm -hmm. So some of us are going to experience it mentally. Some of us are going to experience it sort of more emotionally. Some of us are going to experience it in more of a physical visceral, like, um, health way. Like a lot of kids will manifest sort of empathic distress in stomach issues, you know, where like a ton, like, I just know so many people with highly sensitive children who develop stomach aches whenever they're feeling upset or they go to school and they're picking up all the stress and it shows up in their gut. Mm. And so, you know, some empaths express the empathic overwhelm through their physical body. Headaches and stomach aches are very, very common. And then mm. fire empaths are the ones who sort of act it out, who tend to be more like in, in terms of like like the way they express themselves in the world. And so there's a fine line in terms of between like what's an empath and what's somebody who's like really hyperactive. And my experience is that males more often tend to express that empathic overwhelm through physicality, through active action, through like fidgetiness, through you know, maybe having a temper tantrum, through kind of like just getting really blustery. It's interesting because um in some of the teaching that I've done, what we found is that a lot of girls 
or and females who might have been a fiery empath expressing that empathic overwhelm by acting out when they were littler and especially like sort of like being angry and blustery mm -hmm. as we are socialized to be good girls and to be nice and to be polite as we get older a lot of times that sort of goes inward and it sort of turns into like feelings of despair and intense emotions and we don't express it physically you know we don't express it through action in the same way that we originally did and so more often you i think you see sort of males men or male empaths are more likely to be acting it out than female empaths so you know starting to recognize like how what's your mo like how do you operate in the world how do you process the world do you tend to process the world mentally do you tend to process the world emotionally do you tend to process the world through sort of like you know, you got to have your hands in it and do stuff to really understand it. Do you tend to process things through your body? Like, you know, you get a headache and you got to go take a nap and then you'll understand stuff later. Like, how do you process things? And, you know, as we start to understand that about ourselves, then when things are different than the way things usually are, we can start being like, okay, what's really going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is okay. So this is not an easy diagnosis. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it, well, and because we grew up in a culture that tends to, you know, really be invested in the beautiful lie, which I love that. I've never heard anybody call it the beautiful lie. And that is like, ah, like, I, you know, like preach so right on. Yeah, because, you know, when we are invested in when we live in a culture that's invested in the beautiful lie, part of what happens is all of this stuff that's lurking under the surface, all of these things that are, you know, all of the truths that we don't want to, the ugly truths or the naked, messy truths that we don't want to really talk about, they just get denied and avoided. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we tend to be very, very confused about ourselves. And a lot of times we think it's something wrong with us and that we need to fix ourselves. What's so challenging about this, and one of the reasons why I'm like so passionate about getting onto podcasts and having this conversation, mm -hmm. is that if you think the problem is you, when the problem is actually not you, nothing you do to yourself or about yourself is going to fix the issue because it's not coming, you know, the call is not coming from inside the house. The call is coming from outside the house. And it's kind of like, we need to attend to or acknowledge, like at, least, at the very least say, you know what? I'm not gonna answer this phone anymore. Mm -hmm. But because we are, you know, so many of us were told, no, 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 no. This is not happening. It's all your problem. It's all you. We're constantly trying, like we're bending over backwards, trying to figure out how to make ourselves be different, how to fix ourselves, how to shift ourselves. And as a result, we're just spinning our wheels, hitting wall after wall, getting nowhere. Now we might be able to calm our nervous system down a bit. We might be able to do a number of things. Like we can certainly work on our own stuff, but when it comes to the fact that it's like, we've absorbed somebody else's stuff, mm -hmm. we have to recognize that it's not ours and release it, let it go, not keep carrying it around. Mm -hmm. Like you said at the beginning, not my, not my monkey, not my circus, not my, not monkey. my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> so, I constantly say not my monkey, not my circus. 
<laughs> and I had to, I had to learn this. Like, no, the old Polish pro, you know, the old Polish Polish proverb is "Nam a circus, nam a monkeys." So mm-hmm. I've been working on getting that in the right order. But I always yeah. say it that way. Yeah, and like yeah. you say, just letting go of all of that. Now, a lot of your conversation around, you know, an empath sounds like someone can diagnose that as mental health. Yes. Um, like that can be diagnosed as mental health. So, and- so, and the thing is, as I mentioned before, this is not, this is not an DSM, you know, this is not a mental health diagnosis at all. Yeah. This is a pop culture reference. And even the term HSP, highly sensitive person that the psychologist Elaine Aaron came up with is not in the DSM five. Like these are not, there is no clinical code for diet for, for empath. And there's no clinical code for highly sensitive person. And so, you know, people are looking at this. And so often what that would end up looking like in terms of a quote diagnosis is an anxiety disorder is very, very common for people who are struggling with with being highly sensitive and empathic, perhaps, or possibly depression is another thing. Um, You know, it can show up in terms of, you know, as mental health it could be easily, it can easily show, or another thing is sensory processing disorder. Somebody who is dealing with, or just like overwhelmed by all the, you know, just by all of this input and all the sensations that are coming in, Um, you know, and there's often, it's like, you know, in the sense of like, where there's often a lot of cross-pollination in terms of like the worlds of neurodiversity, where, you know, it's like sensory, like you can have somebody who is, identifies as a highly sensitive person or as an empath and also is, has um, like sensory processing disorder, ADHD, sometimes even is falling in on some, some places on the autism spectrum. Because what's fascinating is that, you know, the, the, the idea of autistic that we have in our culture is very based on the male idea or the male model. And a lot of times females who later in life learn that they are considered, you know, neuro, you know, neurodiverse will, um, you know, are very sensitive, very psychic, very intuitive, picking up on things that are going on, you know, in a different way. And so, you know, in some ways, whether you call it empath, like what, what label you give to it mm-hmm. is not necessarily as important to me as what you do with it afterwards, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm grateful for the awareness around this conversation, because when I said, you know, the part, part about mental health, you know, you started off at the beginning when I said, you know, can someone like, you know, try to figure out if they have if they're an empath and started off at the very beginning by saying that, you know, first we need to figure out the childhood trauma or we need to figure out, there's a lot of layers that we need to figure out before we get to the part of, you know, even figure out if this person's an empath. There's a lot of unpacking that needs. There's a lot of unpacking. Yeah. There's a lot of unpacking that needs to happen. And then, you know, I can easily see a mental health diagnosis being put there, you know, opposed to feeling like, you know, let's go back a few steps. Let's unpack what's what's going on, what's tearing you up inside or bringing you to these emotional places, you know? So 
yeah, I'm so grateful for this conversation because it's bringing awareness to it instead of thinking like, oh, I have this mental health issue where it just may be like, you have to do the inner work, you know, you have to do the inner work, the yeah. inner work within yourself to figure out, you know, where you stand. I'm not taking anything away from mental health or telling no. them. I'm grateful for this conversation. So, you know, someone listening to this can definitely go um, inward, you know, as well and question <laughs> and question, you know, more details uh, about the emotions that they're feeling. So my next question to you, you know, we just discussed empath deeply. Mm-hmm. Now, what is empathy? So empathy I would say the really, I mean, there's like the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of it, which is blah, 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 blah. But really simply, empathy is the capacity to witness or to behold another person and to be able to put ourselves in their shoes, to be able to imagine what they're going through. And often it is the capacity to understand the experience that somebody's having that is not spoken like to pick up on the nonverbal cues to pick up on the stuff that is not necessarily fully like it's not like we're seeing it necessarily but we can still empathize we can still feel it but the thing about empathy that i see that is really different than being an empath and this is where there's an irony here is that empath empathy recognizes that somebody else is going through it. Empathy is that capacity to imagine ourselves in that person's shoes, but to know that we're imagining that we're not feeling it ourselves. And we can imagine how it feels. We can sense that feeling. We can, we can like have incredible compassion and love for what that person is going through, Mm -hmm. but we know it's that person. And The thing about being an empath is sometimes we can get so lost in the, or so like totally like spun around in the emotional soup that we cannot, we are so caught up in our own like emotional distress that even though we're picking it up from somebody else, we cannot recognize that it's their distress, not ours. And so it can be very hard for us to have empathy for what somebody else is going through when we are getting lost in the emotion and the feeling. So ironically, a lot of us as empaths really need to develop our empathy in terms of that ability to imagine what somebody else is going through, but keep that sort of almost like that distance, that separation between self and other, where we know I can empathize with what you're going through, but I also recognize that I am not going through this right now myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I think you did a great job of describing the difference between an empath and empathy, and that the goal is for the empath to get to the empathy side. Actually, to get to the empathy. <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah. Like what? Like what tools are you know are out there? I guess well within themselves, yeah. do they need to work on towards understanding that? They have to let go of eating the emotions and just get to the place of understanding. What are a couple of tools that they can work on towards that? So 
basically that's what this entire book is about is the five-step system of how to really work with it. And so I'll just share the five steps, but then I'll talk about sort of the very beginning and the basics. So the five steps are recognize, release, protect, connect, and act. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, before we can really do anything else, we got to recognize. And what I've discovered over time is that recognize is really like recognize in some ways is where it all begins. As you said, it's really complicated. There's a ton of unpacking. First, mm-hmm. we have to recognize that we're an empath, that we are that we are more vulnerable to picking up the thoughts, feelings, energy, and sensations from the world around us. Then we have to start recognizing Like we need to recognize ourselves and what's our baseline, what's our default, how are we normally feeling? We have to know ourselves. And then from that, then we start to recognize when we are feeling out of sorts, when something is off, when something is, uh, you know, feeling wonky or weird. Mm -hmm. And then we, we can start to move into asking ourselves the question. And what I like to do is just when I notice I'm feeling out of sorts, put my hand on my heart and I just ask the question, is this mine? And I will say that 90%, maybe 95% of the time, the answer is yes and, or both, it's both. Because most of the time there's a part of it that's like within me that's gotten triggered and that's why this is so stressful. Mm -hmm. And then there's another part of me that is picking up on the things that are going on in the world outside of us. And, um, you know, like as of the time of this recording right now, we're just about to go into midterm elections here in the United States. And I've been hearing from a lot of my clients and from some of my students and from different people, people are like, what is going on? What is up? What is up? What is up? And I'm like, well, what is up is the fact that we are going into midterm elections in a country that is painfully divided, Mm -hmm. where no matter how you slice it, there will be a portion of the population that is going to be incredibly Mm -hmm. distressed and disappointed. And probably depending on who it is that wins, very scared. And it's, and that kind of energy is something that will be, will be influencing us and affecting us. So, you know, we get to, we get to really tune in and ask ourselves, like, is this mine? And then as we start getting the answer, yes, and, or nope, this is all about so-and-so they were having a lousy day and you just happened to pick up the vibes of it. Then what I love to do is ask myself the question, what's mine, what's not mine and start really. And then from there, what I like to do is really like breathe into my heart. And then I did this little thing where I just take my hands off of my heart because I always put my hands over my heart and I just actually like lift my hands off my heart. And as I exhale, I put my hands out and I exhale and I basically say, I send this back to where it belongs. Mm. And, you know, just really like, not my circus, not my monkeys. I send this back to where this belongs. Now, some of this is also about once we start recognizing that we have picked something up, we get to make a different choice. Mm -hmm. And at first, it may be like literally being like, don't go there, little buckaroo. Like you're not like, let's back this truck up and not keep going down this rabbit hole. Let's stop worrying about the other person because there's a point where it's like, you might get that kind of intuitive flash about something where you sort of just have a feeling about it. And Mm -hmm. then the head starts telling itself stories. 
where we do get to really have a choice is whether we're going to indulge the stories, whether we're going to keep on running the movie in our head over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And also whether we're going to do something kind of different in terms of even our personal and emotional boundaries, like, like, you know, recognize is the first step release as in letting go of the stuff that is no longer serving us and using EFT, emotional freedom techniques that I mentioned briefly earlier, which is kind of like a form of emotional acupuncture without needles. Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorite ways to release empathic distress and to be able to let stuff go because it really can neutralize stuff we've been carrying in our systems, sometimes for generations. Like sometimes we're, we're clearing ancestral wounds that have we've inherited you know, have been passed from mother to daughter to mother to daughter to mother to daughter, which is mm-hmm. a whole other thing I could talk about. <laughs> There's so many podcasts within so many podcasts within this one. <laughs> within yeah. this one. Yeah. And um, but you know, knowing knowing what is ours and releasing it, then when we come to protect, not only do we need to start having better filters and shields, but we also really need to recognize what are our strategic boundaries. And so, like for example, don't scroll, you know, don't scroll social media or the news like an hour or a half hour before bed, you mm-hmm. know, like don't do the things that are going to set you off, that are going to yeah. send you into a tailspin. Don't answer that text message from your totally cray friend who is like out at the clubs at two o'clock in the morning and is like drunk and desperate and like texting you asking yeah. for help. Like, be like, you do you boo. Like that's, yes. you know, like not my circus, not my monkeys, not my circus, not my monkeys, not my circus, not my monkeys. And so, <laughs> you know, some of it is really about, and, and also about recognizing that we were sold. Like if we were raised to be the rescuer and here's the thing, when an empath has not been taught how to sit with emotions and has not been taught how to like just be present to feelings and let it be okay that 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 we're upset or somebody else is upset we feel better when other people feel better so mm-hmm. we often have learned from a very early age to rush into rescue and to try to fix things and to make things better yeah and and so unlearning that like there's the great unlearn when it comes to, it's not my job to make you feel better. It's mm-hmm. not my job to fix your despair. And I would say that many of the empaths that I work with, the relationship that we have, it's a fascinating, there's a fascinating thing in terms of many of us grew up with empathic mothers who did not know that they were empathic and it manifested as depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. often over medication and as a result we probably have been trying to help somebody in our life from a very 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 early age not feel their distress like we came into like a lot of us were born with sort of assigned the job to be the person who either made mommy or daddy happier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like, I, I'm happy that, you know, you said the first step is recognizing because we can't 
start to heal if we don't recognize it. If we are constantly avoiding a situation, we're not paying attention to the leaky sink in the in the bathroom. We're just covering it with a towel every day, thinking the leaky sink is healed. You know, it's fixed and not addressing the core issue by getting a plumber in there and like fixing the leaky sink and just constantly covering up. You know, you can't fix anything that way with always putting a towel on it. So recognizing is key. It's the key, key, key. And I I, I mean, I, I hope whoever's listening to this and it's resonating, you know, the first step is to recognize recognize you know and we can start thinking in terms of recognize like what i find is with recognize there's sort of three areas of like where things are you know how are things how are we being affected you know there's like there's like the time you know when in time is this you know where when is this when is this is this something that i'm experiencing because of something that's going on now is this something that i'm picking up from because of past trauma or past beliefs or past experiences or past events like for example um you go to gettysburg and you know which is a place that like i i've not been there probably won't ever go there because i have heard so many stories about how pain how weird how incredibly uncomfortable gettysburg is for highly sensitive people but it's like people i've heard enough stories about people like who for example who go to gettysburg and you go onto the battlefields especially and there are certain battlefields where it's like you can feel the trauma on mm. that field still to this day mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's like, so, so we ask ourselves, we can start thinking about like, when is this happening? Like where in time, where in, in time is this happening? And a lot of times it can be, oh, I'm feeling something that like this thing, like, for example, you know, the whole onset of the pandemic, we were also having reflect so we had the current thing going on with the pandemic but then we also had like the 1917 spanish flu outbreak and all of the stuff that our ancestors experienced with that plus we've got like you know all of the other like cholera and you know like all scarlet fever outbreaks and all of these other kinds the smallpox outbreaks plus then you know go back to europe and the bubonic plague like you've got all these memories from the past that are reflecting on and the trauma that has not been addressed. That's, mm -hmm. that's sort of like um, amplifying the experience we're having in this time. And then like, you know, I mean, that's just one example of, of places where the when is affecting us, you know? Um, I, so when is one of the things, then we want to be asking ourselves kind of where is this coming from? Is this personal is this like I think and I think of it as from like microcosm to macrocosm is this about me is this about my household is this about my community you know my neighborhood is this about my town you know my community is this about my town or city is this about my county is this about my state is this about my region is this about my you know like the the sort of area like the part of the country that i'm living in is this about my country is this about my continent is this about you know a, a big section a hemisphere of the globe is this global and then even is this within the solar system is this galactic when we're talking about the people who are the really sensitive people picking up on stuff that's coming from like outside yeah um so we've got when and we've got where and then we've got the experience like 
is how, you know, is this a physical experience? Is this about something going on in my body or in, you know, or like, am I picking up on say, for example, like an earthquake that's happening on the other part of the world? Mm -hmm. Or is this something that is emotional? Is this like, um, you know, all of the people, one of the things start talking about the global manifestation of this. And it's like, we're talking millions and millions, maybe upwards in the billions of people who are grieving on the planet right now. Mm -hmm. So we can start thinking about like, what is, you know, what is that experience, the emotional, or it could be the mental experience, that processing of the things that are going on, the worrying about the things that are going on. And in a way, I would actually say that some of the political divide and the divisiveness that's going on politically, that's more like just a lot of like worry and fear and thought and stuff that's going on. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many different layers to like, what are we looking at? What are we, wait, where is this coming from? When is this coming from? What am I, what is, what is this about? Like, how am I experiencing this? How is this showing up? And nine times, you know, like a lot of times it's not just one thing. It can have like overlap. There's the, there's the experiences that, you know, say our grandmother or our great, great, great grandmother lost a child to a pan, you know, to the pand a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then that grief is carrying forward. And then bam, here we are in this time. And there's yeah. all this. And I mean, I'm only talking about one thing within this time period, because we also have all of the stuff that's going on with women's reproductive health and with women's rights and with the Me Too culture, Black Lives Matter and the 4,000 years of like absolute, like total BS that's been going on in this country with, you know, and, and just, I mean, mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah, like it, all it of these things. On and, on. Mm -hmm. and then, and, and, and then the amazing like divisiveness between between sort of the red and red and the blue in the United States. It's like right now, and as well as if we look at the global stuff with like Ukraine and um, uh, Korea and other places, we've also got these like places where like fascism is rising up and that's gonna bring back all of this trauma that we carry in our ancestral lines and that we carry in our DNA because we it is now being proven that we are inheriting our ancestors' trauma, that we carry trauma, that yeah. we don't just we don't just come in this into a lifetime as a clean slate. We come <laughs> yeah. in with all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, and the thing is, like we're kind of when we are in utero, especially once we sort of start getting, you know, our nervous system starts to come online, we are getting, we're basically like a captive audience inside of our mother's body. And we're getting the download of absolutely everything. But the yeah. thing is, she got the download from her mother and her mother got the download from her mother and her mother got the download from her mother. So what's happening is we're getting all of this information passed on to us yeah. and we're absorbing all this information. So yeah, extremely yeah. complicated. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of healing <laughs> A lot of healing. <laughs> and I really believe that that's what we're all here to do right now. Like, yeah. I really believe that the chickens have come home to roost, that we've been kicking these cans down the road for 5,000 years, and that it's not working anymore. And yeah. that's why we're here, right here, right now, because I believe that this is the no mas time. Like, this is where we're just like, no more. No, we're no done. More.
this is going to yeah. happen. We're going to do things in a really different way now. Yeah. 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 Um, like I said before, I'm so grateful for this conversation because it brings so much awareness behind this, even if a person doesn't even think if they're an empath yeah. or they may be able to look at someone else that they know and be like, you know what? They're, they probably have empathic, you know, things going on with inside of them. And then for them to be able to look at them, approach them in a different way as well, too, to be more understanding around it as well. And then also maybe help, you know, close members around them for help and so on, or maybe even suggest your book. So yeah. with your book now, does your book, is it like, um, exercises that they can do yeah, so the first, and so on. So the first part of the book, the first part, so the book is divided into two parts. So the first part of the book is the what and the why. It's all about what does it mean to be an empath? Why are we this way? How does this work? I throw out some scientific information. I talk about things like mirror neurons and how as human beings, we actually like have a capacity to like actually mirror other people's experiences and, um, you know, inherited the way that we inherit trauma and things like that. So I talk a lot about the what and the why in the first part of the book. And then the second part of the book is the five-step system. And each chapter goes through piece by piece with exercises, with action steps you can take, with prompt, like journal prompt questions that you can work with, with a lot of guidance and a lot of information. And in the book, there's also an opportunity to sign up for my my gift for all of the readers, which is basically a, a course that I offer that is all about, and it's a, a complimentary gift to everybody to sign up for the, for the course that allows you to really sort of start doing the basic work where I really lead you through things. I teach you how to tap. I make some basic suggestions about like, where can you start with this? What can you do? And so, but the book itself, like if you work with the book and you work through the steps, life will definitely be a lot better. You know, I wanted to mention one other thing, which is that I set up a test. It's a 44 question test. That's like a quiz for how empathic are you? Where do you fall on the spectrum? And, you know, if you go to empathicwoman.com, you can take the quiz and just kind of see where you fall. But one thing I was thinking that I wanted to throw out was like, you know, how do we know we're empaths? I guess I would say, how many times have you been told you're too sensitive, you're overreacting and you're taking it too personally? Mm -hmm. Because like, that's one of the things that like, just get over it, just let it go. Like if that's the message you've been told most of your life, chances are you have some, you know, at the very least you have empathic tendencies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a question for you and it's, it's trying to slip away from me. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> so like you, you discussed the, the, ba the first basic step is just recognizing because yeah. we can't get to any type of healing until we recognize. Right. So if a person recognizes, okay, I'm an empath, because I feel like it's also thrown around when I hear people saying I'm an empath, it's almost thrown around as if it's like a crown they're wearing. I'm an empath, you know? Right. Right. I am. So they're accepting that they're an empath, but they're not necessarily, it doesn't doing sound anything like about looking, it. Yeah. They're looking to do anything about it. You know, yeah. like this, this is what it is, but you know, they, they're acknowledging their empaths recognized, but you, as you started this podcast off, you said, not my circus, not my monkey, you know, 
but this person seems to love to, to, they still love to take in everyone else's pain or everyone else's situation. And they, they're holding on to that. And, they, and then as an outsider, you may be able to look in and be like, wow, you're, you're taking in all of that person's, you know, situation where it's not, it's not your circus. Like you, you know, you have to let that go, you know, do you have any words for that person that doesn't know how to let go of other people's circuses? Oh, first off, I just, I think I would, I want to say, I feel you. I feel you. And it's really hard to be in that place. And, you know, I think that one of the very, very first places we get to start is, you know, again, I really love to put my hand over my heart when I do like some of the deep work. Mm -hmm. what just maybe just even try just saying to yourself, I give myself permission to let this go. I give myself permission to let them work it out on their own. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I find really, 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 really helpful for myself, because I've got, you know, I've really, I've, I find that trusting that there is a force in the universe that is greater than myself, that there is the divine source is connecting, you know, that there's something to connect to. Um, you know, that what I find is that when I can trust that there's something greater than me, then I know that I'm not the person responsible for fixing everything. And so not only is it not my circus, not my monkeys, but um, something I will say is this person has a higher power in their life and I'm not it. Yeah. Like just getting that perspective, like I am not their savior. I am not the person who's going to rescue them. Mm -hmm. If somebody continues to go down that avenue, I, you know, I hate to be the bearer of like, you know, the person who's kind of like giving you the, like that, that little slap, but you got to own the fact that you're a drama queen, you know, I mean, you got to own the fact that you're a drama queen, that you're, that, that there's a part of you that's addicted to getting into it. And yeah. that, because the thing is, there is something very stimulating about engaging in, and it actually feels like it kind of feels good to like, especially if you've never learned to be still, if you've never learned to sit with quiet, it can be really boring to be, not be excited. Mm -hmm. But excitement and overstimulation and drama, it's kind of an addiction that a lot of us have. And, you know, I mean, total like recovering hot mess, you know, total drama queen, really like, like, I had to admit the parts of myself that were engaging. And I'll give you an example of this. A number of years ago, I was in a pattern where I had a number of friends that I would talk to on the phone for long periods of time and I would listen to them and they would just like, like just vent to me about all the stuff that was going on in their life. And I would feel exhausted at the end of the conversations. And there were a few of them who were totally, it was like the me, me, me story, never about how are you do, doing, Jennifer? If I said something was going on, they'd immediately turn it back to, oh my God, that's just like when I blah, 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 blah. And I was getting really tired with all of these conversations. What I realized though, was that most of the time, I would say probably like 95% of the time, I was the person who picked up the phone. I was the person who called them and said, hey, how are you doing? And I was the person who basically 
asked them what's going on for you and then let them vent Mm -hmm. that. And what I realized was that I was doing this when I was bored. I was doing this when I would like be driving in the car and I would pick up my phone. And instead of like putting on a podcast or putting on an audio book or just being quiet for myself, I would immediately go into these kind of like emotionally stimulating kind of like distracting conversations. Mm-hmm. I had to own that I was volunteering for this mm-hmm. and that I was soliciting this information from them, that they weren't even seeking me out, that I was seeking them out and that I was doing it because there was a part of me that was lonely And that there was a part of me that felt bored and just wanted to make a connection. And the way that I knew how to make the connection was by siphoning off other people's pain. Mm -hmm. So looking at what we're doing and really asking ourselves, like being really, really, really honest with ourselves, like how often is this person just seeking you out and dumping their stuff on you? And how often are you volunteering for the job? And in my case, it was striking how often I was the one volunteering for the job. Yeah. You know, that was definitely some real talk that you just said about, you know, own that you are, you know, that you may be a drama queen, that you are seeking the drama. Um, Like you said, you noticed that when you were bored, you were going and pulling in or maybe thinking like, I need to be the listening ear because I can help them or whatever. I can help them. And I, and, and that, and it's Mm -hmm. also like what my, you know, our identity tied into being good and nice and helpful and wonderful. Like my value was tied into being helpful. I mean, I come from two parents who worked in the human service field and a lot of like, being virtuous, being good, being helpful, making a difference in other people's lives is like what it's like, that's where the cred is. Like, that's where all of the, like, uh, you know, that's where I get the gold star in my forehead. And so, you know, and I will also say that we live in a culture. If you just watch any TV program, pretty much everything that we watch for entertainment is based on problem solution mm-hmm. like everything is kind of like even like I mean I'm just thinking about it it's like I've been watching I've been kind of really into the Gilmore girls lately and because it's so mild and just like so totally like it's just like you know there there's like you're not going to get stressed from watching the Gilmore girls really but even with like the Gilmore girls or like good witch or some you know like some of those really like just really sweet benign shows there's always a challenge that gets resolved. There's always like a personality conflict. I I cannot think of aside from aside from maybe like nature documentaries that are just showing you like plants in slow motion. Pretty much everything is showing us this example of problem solution, problem solution, problem solution, mm-hmm. conflict, more conflict. <laughs> and we use it as a way to get entertained. So it's like, we have to like, there's, so there's a lot of, I think, great unlearning that has to happen for us in terms of even just what entertains us when Mm -hmm. we live in a culture that is all about excitement and stimulation Mm -hmm. and like, just kind of getting all jacked up about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you said, you know, being the drama queen can be addictive, you know? Oh yeah. And 
you it's know fun. And then they, yeah and then but then what is the solution because then they're gonna be like well if I'm not entertaining this what am I supposed to do just sit with myself like right and and yeah and and that's painful mm -hmm. because when we sit with ourselves all the stuff that we have not dealt with the hurt wounded little kid who probably was being told that they were weird that they were different you know like all the stuff that we've been able to keep sort of like the the static going so we're not listening Mm -hmm. all of that stuff that. is you know that all of that's when when we turn down the static then we get to sit with ourselves and it can be really uncomfortable especially like if we do not know because we're living you know I think one of the things that one of the great one of the part of the beautiful lie that we have going on in our culture right now is that is that we have to earn our worthiness, that we have to earn our value, that just the, our inherent worth and dignity as a human being alone is not good enough, that we have to prove ourselves, that we have to be more successful, that we have to make more money, that we have to, you know, like 10x everything, that we have to get more Instagram followers, that, you know, mm -hmm. on and on and on. And like, if there is like that core, you know, if we don't have, a foundational sense of I'm okay, exactly as I am. And I don't need to do anything. I don't need to be anything. I don't need to prove myself just by the fact that I was born and I exist and I breathe. I am worthy of love. I am worthy of self of respect. I am worthy of getting my needs met. Yeah. Like, that's really what it comes down to, you know, and it sort of circles back to knowing ourselves in self-care yeah. because like, if we cannot simply just be okay with ourselves as we are, then that engagement in drama, that engagement in excitement, that engagement in getting stimulated, what else do we have? If yeah. we cannot like, like, because our identities are so tied into all of these ways that we, you know, are human doings instead of human beings. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like we could probably talk for hours. Upon oh, you and I could hour, talk for hours and hours. hours, hours, upon and hours. I knew that yeah. when we started, I was like, oh my goodness. But it, you're going to have to let everybody know how they can connect with you because I think there is so much more digging. I think we just, we're just blowing dust on the surface. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but there are so many more layers to like really dig into this, but like let everybody know where they can get your book, how they can Perfect. get in contact with you. So, so it's, so I kind of have a system here. So the really simple thing you do is you just go over to empathicmastery.com. And that will lead you to everything. But if you're listening and you're like, I really want to get a copy of her book, check it out, empathicmasterybook.com. And if you want to listen to the podcast, empathicmasteryshow.com. And Empathic Mastery Show is a place where I interview other empaths and we talk about all kinds of stuff. There's like, you know, there's an episode about um, animal rescue, an episode about empaths with ADHD. There's a couple about empaths and narcissists, a couple, you know, we just did something about, uh, you know, for domestic violence awareness month, we had an episode on domestic violence, an episode on sexual assault. 
it's, it's like talking about everything through the lens and filter of what does it mean to be highly sensitive and empathic and how does this affect every other aspect of your life? So yeah, I just actually recorded a session that's going live in a very, very soon actually. So depending on when your, this airs, it may actually be out, but I interviewed a woman who grew up within her, her family's, not her parents, but her cousin's and her uncle's funeral home talking to dead people. And it's like just amazing conversations. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's another, there, there's all kinds of incredible conversations, but like I said, empathicmastery.com is where you'll get to everything. And if you want to do the book, empathic mastery book, want to do the podcast, empathic mastery show. So unique, thank you so much for having me here today. This conversation, like I could totally talk with you for hours. This has been awesome. Yes. Oh my goodness. I am so grateful for you coming here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But you know, I, I can't let you leave just yet. Okay. Because I have to ask you, what does becoming unique mean to you? <sighs> becoming unique means revealing what's always been there. Mm. You know, it's like, I think every one of us is unique. Every one of us. Oh my God. I just thought of a really funny, I don't know if you remember, how do you catch a butterfly? What is that? A, you unique, unique up on it. Or it's like, I think it was like, how do you catch a, how do you catch a special butterfly? Unique up on it. Oh, <laughs> it's a very, it's a really stupid, like, it's a really stupid children's joke. That's about my speed for jokes. <laughs> But it was like, I don't know. It's like, anyway, the light, the punchline is unique up on it, but it's like, I really think it's like, how do you catch that special butterfly within our soul? Unique up on it. Like it's wow. already there. Mm -hmm. We just have to reveal that part of ourselves. Each one of us is like a snowflake. Each one of us has our own special story. Each one of us has something so precious to offer to the world Mm -hmm. And I believe that what we need is to give ourselves permission to let our light shine in the world to, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to be who we really are. We're already unique. It's letting ourselves be what we are that I think needs, needs to be let out into the world. Oh, so beautiful. Revealing what's always been there. That yeah. is so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been so amazing. Oh, you need to have to go for another pleasure. round. <laughs> yes. I'd love to. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You, Jennifer for showing up for the Becoming Unique podcast and slaying us with amazing information around understanding the meaning of empath. I'm not going to hold you guys up too much longer because this has been a very full episode, but thank you for showing up for Becoming Unique and I will see you guys next week with another amazing episode. Bye.